This is Author Talk, presented by Author House, the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Author Talk is a show about new books and the authors who wrote them. It's an opportunity for prospective readers to hear directly from the writers, to hear what inspired them to write and publish, and to hear all the inside details about their books. Here is Author Talk with host Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, Disasters, Second Edition. And the author is Dr. Asim K. Dasgupta. And Dr. Dasgupta joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, doctor. Yes, hello. Well, great to have you with us all the way from England. Uh, it's uh, a pleasure to kind of journey with you as you examine uh, many kinds of natural phenomenon and environmental disasters that impact the earth. You've, done, you've been doing research for uh, quite some time, uh, and you also draw upon your firsthand experience and years of research as you've traveled as a medical doctor with scientific interests. Uh, you say the results of your explorations are considered in several case studies, of course, within the book, combining scientific fact with firsthand observations, conclusions are drawn that may help future responses to disasters. Well, that obviously is very, very important to help us deal with future disasters. Now, Doctor, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you decided to write this book. Right. Uh, you know that I'm a medical doctor, uh, but from ch childhood, um, I've been curious about the sudden happenings of nature, like lightning, solar eclipse, thunderstorms, cyclones, and torrentos. Over the years, I have come across natural calamity, such as drought, flood, mudslides, landslides, earthquakes, and volcanoes, as well as personal involvement of various accidental disasters. As a medical doctor, I was involved in relief work and have visited and seen many scenes of death, injury, rehabilitation, and deterioration. I felt uh, the, uh, the, it is, uh, felt the need to write this book, describing my journey from childhood to the present time, and hence I have drawn on more than 50 years of autobiographical biographical perspective and the earth science and global warming, uh, which interested me, also reflected on this book. Um, being a doctor, my job is medical, but writing the book, especially the topic of science, is my passion. Though I am proud of all the articles I've written in various respected journals, this book is very special to me. I come from a family of writers and journalists, and I have enjoyed the extra time and space that this book has given me to explore the subject. Um, so uh, that's, that's, uh, that's my background, and uh, now I'm uh, retired at, as a 
from the NHS National Health Service of uh, Britain, and and um, I'm busy traveling and writing uh, the books. So this is the digester book, which is second editions, which has taken me uh, nearly six years to write, and I'm proud that the book has done, and uh, and it is. Um, uh, it was added um, uh, named as a disaster as one of the best books of India of year 2011 by the Carcass Reviews. Well, congratulations. And, of course, uh, your book has 14 chapters, which covers all kinds of natural phenomenon yes. and, and environmental uh, that's disasters. Chapters, yes, and, um, that's true. And um, I can give you the... Um, the topics of these chapters. Um, the 14 chapter, the first one is earthquake and, uh, and tsunamis, and then volcanoes, driest and wettest, floods and dams, storms, tidal waves and floods, avalanches, mudslides and landslides, gales, snow and hell, fog and smoke, lightning, the sun, solar system and the solar eclipse, droughts, famine, starvation, accident and accidental disaster, human movement, and lastly, global climate change. And most interesting is that to visit the various disasters, areas, and zones, and get access to the information and the stories, then research it, compile it, and then to write the book was not a very easy process. However, at the end, it has been rewarding as I was able to record the scientific facts in such a way that the reader could understand and appreciate it. Well, it's uh, written in the first person, of course, you, uh, written in the first person that gives uh, the book a lot of real authenticity, and it, it's a page-turner, it's easy to read, and you're covering so many different subjects. Why don't we take a few of them, and you can share with, some of, with, uh, with us about some of the case studies that you have in, in the books, and, and I think everyone is always fascinated and uh, by earthquakes, and of course, we're all very uh, terrified by them as well, and tsunamis. So why don't we just start out with your very first chapter, Earthquakes and Tsunamis, and you give us some, some more information about that. Yeah, this is, is fascinating, because earthquakes is, uh, um, is my childhood experience. That's something I thought I'd better give a little bit uh, uh, on that. And that's, I remember when I was my child experience about Kirk in Calcutta. It was 1950 and we were having meal at home. Suddenly we felt our plates started to move and uh, one side and it seems that the building was tilting. My father was on the stair. He started to shout, come out of the buildings come out of the buildings. I could hear the sounds of the bell, the gong, and the blow of conch shell from nearby. 
I was puzzled by the sound as to whether they were to alert the people where, or whether they were some kind of worship to the Hindu god to prevent disaster. The earthquake lasted for a few seconds. It was the Assam earthquake. The epicenter was on the Indochina border and spread to Upper and Lower Assam, Darjeeling, Dhaka, and Calcutta. 1,530 people were killed, but it did not cause any damage to our neighborhood. However, it was an exciting time. We all stayed out on the street in front of, of our house. We were told not to go inside and there was a chance of recurrence or aftershocks. I cannot recall how long we waited before we were allowed to go inside. I was probably not scared because as a child, I had no idea of how devastating the effects of any earthquake could be. I had mixed feelings of curiosity and fun. So that was the um, in childhood experience. Then um, I came across a lot of earthquakes and I've uh, recorded all these incidents um, of earthquakes and from the earthquakes, how the tsunami occurs, then how the um, quack lakes is formed and then tsunami effect of uh, um, the Southeast Asia and the um, uh, and also the Japan and uh, these are the recorded on the book and and last year it was a tremendous uh, effect on the Japan and that caused the nuclear disaster also uh, so uh, this earthquake has uh, uh, and I've been to the Southeast Asia and where I saw that um, how the tsunami uh, affected area, how the people were rehabilitated, and that I have also recorded on that book. Well, fantastic. Uh, we can't begin to cover, obviously, all the details of your book and the time that we have together, but what's on a lot of people's minds today, global climate change, we hear about global warming, that's one of your chapters. Why don't you share some from that? Oh, yes. This is the thing. Um, as you probably know, the scientists have uh, already noticed a number of events occurring due to warming of the Earth's atmosphere. Glaciers and ice sheets are melting. Mountain glaciers are thinning or reducing in size. Many ice shelves in Antarctica have been receding or collapsing, and the great Greenland ice sheet is losing its ice at a rate of 239 cubic kilometers per year. The sea level is rising, so the ocean temperature. In 2010, Greenland is more than 5 degrees centigrade uh, warmer than the average between 1950 and 1980. The increased temperature is no doubt one of the reasons 
for the melting of the Greenland ice. To observe these effects of climate change, I visited the Discovery region in August 2010, which included the Lewisett and Arctic Station. The calving ice front of the Lewisett Glacier has retreated more than 40 kilometers since 1850, and the glacier surface is thinning by 10 meters each year. In order to see the glacier and its breaking end, I took a helicopter ride. The helicopter took off from Illusis Airport and flew over hills, lake, ice forts, landing on a preserved area of the mountain at Kanya near Glacier. The helicopter used to land further north and west to Kanya, but due to effect of the retreating glacier, the helicopter landing site has been shifted to the south, which is the present site. After getting down from the helicopter, within walking distance, I was able to see glacier and its backing front. On right back, I saw steam from the changing ice drift over the Kangia up to sea front. On the form, in the form of packed ice, throwing ice, floating icebergs, and the standard icebergs on the mouth of the ice fold. At the end of my visit, my impression was that Greenland is losing its ice very fast. Arctic sinkage is occurring as a result of climate change. So I think it's a little bit uh, thing, uh, but the, um, it's a, quite a big chapter and quite a lot of important points and uh, uh, scientific findings are recorded on these books, which is I'm not able to uh, describe yet yet. But if you want that uh, more than I can do, I go. I have to go through the book again. Right. Well, we have uh, we have a couple minutes left, but let's uh, cover some other, just some, uh, just some questions. Uh, now, would this be a, a a really good book for science students as part of their text curriculum? Yeah, I think probably this is the thing. Um, the two things is interesting. Uh, one thing is that um, I describe the. I explain each uh, each chapter with the scientific uh, reason, scientific background, or scientific uh, information like definitions and the incidents where it happens, all the documented are there. And also, um, each one has some case study. So it is easy to understand. And also, I've given in each chapter, in each chapter, how to prevent that. And 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 also the um, uh, some statistics, so that will help the students. Now you're currently working on new book projects. Can you give us a little sneak preview of of what's to come? Yeah, I think probably uh, this is a art, crafts, and traditional industry. Um, the book will be in five. Uh, uh, volume or by in five books, uh, and the f- already first book uh, has come out, 
and I'm writing the second book and the uh, first book has got a 12 chapters um, which are the um, about the bangles, basket making, brush and metal working, brick making, carpet making, coffee, embroidery, glass making, lace making, lavender, leather, musk making, paper making, plastic, pottery making, rope making, leather, swing, sugarcane, and tea. And this is uh, interesting that um, each each chapter has got um, few things. First of all, um, yes, uh, so in uh, this is the first book. There will be another another four books, and about hundred traditional arts and crafts will be in this book. Their history will be there, invention will be there, materials will be there, and geographical location will be there, and methods of making products. And lastly, it will be there, exposure or handling-oriented health issue or hazard during the manufacturing process or outline so that the handles, handlers and manufacturers can be aware of the health issue. So really, um, uh, the health issue was the last uh, portion as a medical doctor, as an occupational physician, I mentioned that one, uh, because most of the uh, arts and crafts books are there, but they don't mention the health issue. We've been listening to Dr. Asim Dasgupta, and Dr. Dasgupta's book, Disasters, Second Edition. Doctor, tell us how to get your book. Yes, uh, I think probably um, Author House is a publisher, so you can go better in Author House, and also you can go in Barnes and & Noble, and, and as, as well as Amazon. In England, I don't know, the Waterhouse, water uh, the which uh, and the W.J. Smith and uh, are, are the uh, bookshops, which are the books are available there. Thank you, Doctor, for being with us on Author Talk. Thank you. Thank you very much. I hope I have uh, given some enlightenment of my book, and probably uh, the listener will like this book and uh, able to give a copy of the book. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Hi everybody, this is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear the latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. You and 
Girlfriend It is on Toginet. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, with your hosts, Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women. The girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Lisa had recently had her mother pass away from cancer, and my mom um, was murdered. A man just walking into a room and started a 23-second shooting spree. I think one of the things we both realized going through those tragedies is that you can be extremely okay and be extremely sad. Check out girlfriended.com. And then be a part of Girlfriended, the radio show, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You know, your boyfriend or, or your husband or whatever, they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have mm-hmm. somebody that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, girlfriended.com. Don't miss Girlfriended with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back. To Author Talk, brought to you by Author House, helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, this book of poetry, The Rivers of My Need, and the author, the poet, is Peggy Aston, and Peggy joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Peggy. Well, hi, Steve. Thank you for calling. Well, great to have you with us. You're going to share some of your poetry and, indeed, uh, a return to rhyming verse. Uh, we love to hear poetry, but we'll talk. We'll hear from you later. Uh, let me just read just kind of an introduction for everyone, uh, what you've written about your book. You say this, The Rivers of My Need was named for two rivers that merge at my birthplace in Paducah, Kentucky one clear and the other muddy. Together, they typify two of life's strongest emotions, joy and heartache. So the spectrum, the one end of the spectrum to the other, that's life, isn't it? Yes, it is. Well, They typify that to me. I'm not sure that others have thought of them in that way. Well, then they do mingle, joy and heartache. Uh, that comes with just life itself, as you point out. Uh, how, how, why did you write this book? Why did you decide to uh, include all this poetry? Actually, I never had the intent of actually sitting down and writing a book. I didn't even write my first poem until Christmas um, of 1977 when I was 38 years old. And it was some 20 years later that I found I had a whole drawer full. And starting out thinking how nice it would be to compile a book for my family, a living legacy of sorts, this escalated to a z- desire to share it with others. And who would you say your book appeals to, your book of poetry? Everyone, actually. The book's nine chapters cross generational lines, offering something for all ages, children to adult. Historical, day-to-day optimistic, day-to-day humorous, friendship, motivational, inspirational, children's, romance, all shades of love, spiritual, and a tribute to Princess Diana. And what would you say, Peggy, one thing you want your readers to learn from your book of poetry? The book is my journey of lifetime experiences, which others can relate to, and portrays the needs that we all have. We all have needs for our roots, for belonging, for giving and receiving love, for laughter, tears, and values, which are the result of these emotions that we feel as we journey like a winding river through life. But the ultimate lifetime need is spiritual, which I didn't realize until later in my life. Well, let's take a break and uh, 
talking about your book specifically, and let's hear uh, one of your poems. In fact, uh, we're going to hear the poem that is the title of your book, The Rivers of My Need, which is in Chapter 7. Uh, the title of that uh, section of your book is In the Village Chapel. Here is The Rivers of My Need. The Rivers of My Need. You walked into my life so bold. Your presence shook my very soul. You lifted me up from the start. Your nearness flooded my heart. Ever since the day you took residence in my mind, one thought of you and I find there's a peace within me now. You're the reason, yet you dare to ask, how? No other man on earth could gift me with this rebirth. Of all the great purchases in recorded history, more precious than gold was your gift to me. I need you to care and to always be there. I'll need your love until I grow old. I'll return it to you a hundredfold. How can the needs of this woman be measured when just the sound of your voice is so richly treasured? How can the needs of this woman be met? Without you, they can't. And yet, the rivers of my need are without end, swiftly flowing, for you they send. Do you still dare to doubt when it is you I need and can't do without? No one else could take your place. It is a fact that I have faith. Can you understand why my hopes and plans are wrapped up in, in you, my marvelous man? Just to be near you and to see what lies in store for you and me. Do we share these feelings rare, or were we not meant to be a pair? Will we climb the stairway of time as a team? Will we go hand in hand, or are we just a dream? Well, that uh, really conjures up all kinds of uh, uh, visuals in my mind, images. And, of course, you're talking about a man, but you're talking about much more than just a man, aren't you? Yes, I am. The lead poem in the book, which has the same name as the book titled The Rivers of My Need, was written to typify idealistic true love. And many years later, after writing some Christian verse as well, I realized one day that the man in the poem is also the Lord. As a single parent for many years, the Lord is the man in the poem, and now the man in my life. It is intriguing to reflect on the keynote poem from both human and spiritual perspectives. How would you say your book of poetry is unlike others but with similar topics? In this day of free verse, or non-rhyming verse, it is a refreshing return to rhyming verse. And uh, when and where does your story take place, Peggy? It goes all the way back to the days of the Indians, and early days of Americana, and all the way forward to modern day. Peggy, let's have you read in Chapter 1, the heading of that chapter, American Heritage. Uh, read My Desert Storm Hero. My Desert Storm Hero. My love, as I write to you tonight, knowing you have given with all your might, please know I miss and love you so. You are my desert storm hero. The hard work of freedom was never for the weak. For this noble cause, you so bravely stand and speak. May the land held hostage be unbound and released through a power from above rushing in on wings of peace. Remember the red for the hardiness and courage of women and men who have stood tall for freedom time and again. Remember the white. May it always signify the purity and innocence of a nation, harmless in intention and blameless. Remember the blue, for without it we would have just left things to chance, for it stands for perseverance and vigilance. These high standards, the vital elements of peace, without them, can there truly be any relief? The tie that binds us is even stronger for these demands. America's prayers for desert storm outnumber the sand. Well, what a great tribute. What a great Thank tribute. You. 
Very. And the meaning of the flag was research for a greater message. Right. Well, very well done. Now, what would you say, what word or, or words would uh, describe this book of poetry? Searching for love. Searching for love. All right. And uh, what was the most challenging part about uh, putting your book of poetry together? Well, not sitting down to write a book to publish. Actually, there was the absence of challenge. I wrote the poems over 20 years for personal enjoyment and then decided to put them in book form. Peggy, uh, share another one of your poems. Of This one on Chapter 6, On the Way to the Tree Stump Tea Party. All right. <laughs> <laughs> hooray, hooray, today's the day. Chattering, Corky Chipmunk, with much delight, scampered from his haven into the sunlight. He tumbled on the forest floor's warm green grass, doing handsprings and somersaults. At long last, the magical day had arrived. He and his friends were due at five to meet Miss Melanie for a tree stump tea party. Now he must go wake up the others, starting with the twins, Sally and Sammy Squirrel. Oh, there they were in a happy whirl, gathering nuts for the long, cold winter ahead. Very soon they would be at the party instead. Yeah, very <laughs> it's nice. it's really long. I won't go on. Okay. Well, very nice. <laughs> just, just, uh, it's just a thrill to hear rhyming verse. It always captures your attention and, and just kind of draws you in. Uh, is there anything we, else, we haven't covered, Peggy, that you'd like to uh, share with us? I could never just sit down and write a poem on my own. The biggest surprise of all to me was that the Lord actually wrote the poem through me. This has made it an exciting adventure. I like to compare it to collecting raindrops. If I don't have my pen and paper ready, which could be contrasted to the proverbial bucket to collect the rain, then I lose the poems. I've lost poems over the years because I didn't have pen and paper at hand. So they come quickly. They do, and when I'm driving. <laughs> when you're driving. Usually. Oh, no. Oh, no. Peggy, why don't you read the chapter headings. They're very unique, and they give us a very specific understanding of the theme of those okay. chapters. Great. All right. Chapter 1, American Heritage. Chapter 2, Day by Day, a Reflection, Optimistic. Chapter 3, Day by Day, a Reflection, Humorous. Chapter 4, The Friendship Flower. Chapter 5, Superior Force, which are motivational and inspirational. Chapter 6, on the way to the tree stump tea party. Chapter 7, in the village chapel. These are all love poems, all shades of love, by the way. Chapter 8, King of Kings, Faith Speaking. Chapter 9, Tribute to Princess Diana, The and, Pearl and the Roses. And, and why did you uh, decide to include this tribute to Princess Diana? At the time that I wrote this, this was eminent, and... But she has long been a favorite of mine, and, and still to this day, um, I gravitate to these. I just, in fact, I was just reading my book, and I started with those. <laughs> They're just, um, I think they sum up the feelings of so many people. Peggy, please share with us some of your poem, the tribute to Princess Diana, and it's titled, The Pearl. She was our fairy tale princess, a pearl of great price. Happiness transfused her. The smile of a child sufficed. Her aura illuminated the entire world. Her mystique enriched the priceless pearl. Compassion, worn with grace and dignity, was her dazzling gown. Her deep and abiding love for her sons was her sparkling crown. 
Cloaked in passion for the world's ills, such as mere mortals have seldom shown, she reigned demurely, with quiet splendor, the hearts of the people was her throne. With loyalty, her mission was remedy for desperate causes. With empathy, she embraced others' lifetime losses. With a gentle spirit, she approached all her days. In royalty, the beloved princess was thus arrayed. She took us to a new height. What a magnificent sight. Very well done. I can see Princess Diana. You painted such a beautiful picture. (laughs) Very well done. Well, thank you. Great to have you with us, Peggy. Uh, Peggy Aston, poet, and she has put together her book of poetry called The Rivers of My Need. Peggy, tell us how to get your book. All right. Well, in a couple days or so, probably by the first of next week, my website is going to be available. That's www.theriversofmyneed.com. Very well, and you can always order at any online retailer, a retailer of books like Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, and you can walk into a bookstore and, and order The Rivers of My Need. Well, thank you, Peggy, for being with us on well, Author Talk. Thank you, Steve. My pleasure. Have a blessed day. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Have you been laid off? Fired, downsized, right-sized, or re-engineered out of a job? Are you unemployed or anticipate that possibility? Then tune in for Successfully Unemployed, hosted by Alan Sherwood, MBA, president of Sherwood Consulting Service. Successfully Unemployed will provide you a hope-filled and comprehensive approach to the job search process from an author who's experienced it all. Alan and his guests will cover all dimensions of a job search, physical tasks, mental attitude, emotional health, even one spiritual perspective. All must be integrated in order for a person to be successfully unemployed so they can then be successfully employed. This show is designed to help you move forward from job loss to finding or creating more fulfilling work. For more on Alan Sherwood, MBA, and the show, check out his website, SuccessfullyUnemployed.com. Then join us for Successfully Unemployed with Alan Sherwood, MBA. Thursday nights at 8, 7 Central here on Toginet.com. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, Annie's Life. And the author is H.J. Ottawell. And Heather joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Heather. Hello, Steve. Great to have you with us all the way from England. Sounds like you're right here in the studio with us. Yes, it's, it's very good. I can hear you very well as well. <laughs> 
So Annie's life. Annie's life. This is uh, a very unique book about the life of this woman, Annie. Uh, what was the motivation? Where did this story come from? I um, well, I was sitting in, in work uh, one day. I worked in a Weybridge, and it was very quiet. And uh, I just had the, uh, the title come into my head. And... Um, I just started writing, and every time I had quiet moments, um, I, I'd sit there writing, and it just grew. Um, I didn't have motivation um, from anywhere, you know, any media source or anything. It's just words that came into my head. So Annie was born at the end of the 19th century, in the late 1800s. Yes. And she was born uh, into money? She was, yes, yes. Well, tell us about uh, that part of her life. Um, well, uh, she was born into quite a well-to-do family. Um, her, her father was um, a military man. Uh, they had um, an estate, and Annie had her own pony, which she was able to ride around the estate. Uh, and life was very good for her and her brother uh, in the beginning. They had servants to wait on them. Um, well, that was uh, obviously uh, on one end of the spectrum of her life because she ends up over on the other side of the the spectrum of life, even homeless. Uh, that's right, she does, yes. Um, due to sort of what happened uh, during the war, what happened to um, her brother and how it changed him, uh, changed all the circumstances at home. She lost both her parents. And um, Annie went from being the lady of the house to actually being the servant in the house. And then she was forced to make her own way in life, her own living. Well, I like the way you did at the beginning of the book. Uh, she is hit by a car. Uh, I guess she's homeless at that time. And, and you kind of, in and out of interacting with the medical people, taking care of her. Uh, she's dreaming about her life, and that that really drew me in, a really good technique. I'm really pleased about that. <laughs> uh, but to say, it's just the way the story came to me. That was the way I had to write it. And that's the way we often uh, happens to us, you know, when we uh, probably, uh, it's just a... Uh, self-protection mental uh, uh, situation for us, uh, a mental uh, characteristic to help protect us when we're in so much pain is when we drift off, we think of better things. Uh, yes, we do. So, Annie, now... What is the? What would you say the overall message of your book is? What What would it be? I think the overall message is to tell um, anyone, no matter who. Um, I mean, things do go wrong in our lives, and we do have challenges that we have to face. But we can find the initial strength and the internal strength ourselves to cope with what life throws at us. So we all need this inner strength to deal with whatever comes at us. And, of course, this is a unique situation. You have two world wars here that completely disrupts the family. 
Yes. Yes, that's right. Now, along the way, she meets Major and Mrs. Walker Brown. Now, tell us about them and how she meets them and the impact that they have on her. Um, well, when, when Nanny had to sort of leave her own home, um, she was able to find work with um, the Browns. They gave her um, a home. Um, they gave her a living, and they gave her the opportunity to sort of get back on her own two feet. And um, she became more than just a servant. Um, she became a companion to Mrs. Brown eventually. But... Um, they they gave her understanding and and did what they could to help her along the way, and Annie repaid them by giving them about thirty years' service. And she became very very close to uh, Mrs. Walker Brown. That's right. Yes, yes, she became her companion. Well, we all need others to help us along the way, don't we? Hopefully we're doing our share too, but we all need others to kind of help us along the way, especially when life gets really tough. We do. We can't manage without other people, really, can we? Now, you you talked about her brother, uh, who... As you described him, a sensitive young man, but uh, he changed. Why did he change, and what did he change into? Because of um, what he'd seen during the war and, and what he went through in the First World War. Um, he, well, he came home. Uh, he'd been injured. He came home, um, but it changed his personality um, because of uh, the horrors that, that he'd seen, it made him hard. And um, then he took to, to gambling. He became rather uh, abusive to Annie and made her life a misery. And through, through his gambling, they lost everything material in the house. And then eventually they lost the house. So uh, forcing Annie to, to move on. Yeah, but be- it was uh, the war that um, really changed him and upset everything. A cruel and abusive drunkard and gambler, you call him. Yes. Mrs. Walker Brown, on her death, uh, Annie's forced to leave the home. And now she's homeless, but she has this another fortunate event where she meets Claire and Richard. Now tell us about Claire and Richard and the impact they had on Annie. Yeah, it was when Annie was in in hospital recovering from her accident and there was um Claire was brought in. Uh, she she'd actually taken um a prescription drugs overdose and uh, she was very close to death herself. Uh, but Annie um, sat with her. Um, she, you know, held her hand and spoke to her while she was unconscious. But there was something ab- about Claire that drew Annie to her. And uh, Annie eventually, through her caring personality, helped Claire to overcome this problem. And she, 
Claire and Richard all became friends. In, in fact, Annie became more of a mother figure to Claire. And they're very different ages and backgrounds, but they became very, very close. Yes, that's right, yes. Well, Claire was like the the family that Annie had lost, and Annie, Annie was like the mother that Claire had walked had to walk away from. So circumstances as well drew the two women together. Annie seems to have uh, an amazing capacity to touch other people's hearts. Well, why is that? Because of her own... She, she understands because of um, what she's had to cope with in life, and a lot of the time she's had to do it on her own. She understands what other people are going through, and, and therefore she's able to um, help them. Well, the adversity in life often uh, often really not only uh, teaches us lessons, but changes us for the better if we let it. If we don't say, why me all the time, and let the adversity change us. And I guess Annie's a product of that. Yes, I, I agree with that. That's You've put it better than I could. <laughs> Anything else, any other characters that we need to know about well, there was um, the doctor that looked after uh, Annie while she was in hospital. He um, sort of took a, a, an interest in her, and he, he was very interested in uh, Annie's story. But I think the, the most important person was a nurse called Wendy. And um, she sort of became more of a, a family friend, and, and she visited... Um, Annie when she was out of hospital and she used to visit her on um, a monthly basis and um, Annie used to look forward to her visits um, there was a, a, a friendship that grew there as well. This sounds like a story of real life uh, You've the way you've created these characters and woven this story it's really just like real life uh, thank you. <laughs> I, I hope it is. Anything else you'd like to share with us, Heather? Um, well, there is one, one thing, really. I, I mean, um, the uh, reader base that uh, the, the book has, it, it's a very wide spectrum. Um, I've got a 15-year-old granddaughter, and she read it. So she took it to school for a teacher and all the mates in the class uh, to read. They've all read it and they've all enjoyed it. And then I've got friends that are sort of in their 80s and they've enjoyed it. And most people that I know who have read it are waiting for the next one. <laughs> Is there a next one? Yes, I've written it. Oh, a sequel. Yes, yeah. Well, very good. Well, it's filled with life lessons. Well, I wasn't too sure what what it was full of and, until I actually analysed it. You, you know, when I knew this was coming up and I actually analysed the story, I, th I think I quite surprised myself with the content that was in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's always amazing to me. Uh, you who uh, and others who can use their imagination to create this kind of uh, novel and kind of characters and situations. Uh, I've often heard where 
characters just start talking to each other. Is that what happened? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. Heather, uh, you're a grandmother and great-grandmother, and you've written this great story called Annie's Life. And how do we get your book, Heather? Um, through Author House and Amazon. Um, it's um, a paperback, but it's also an e-book. The author is H.J. Ottawell. Heather, thanks so much for being with us on Author Talk. Thank you very much, Steve, for inviting me. <laughs> it's been lovely speaking with you.